Please turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1 to 12. Exodus 14, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, took 600 chosen chariots, and all the other chariots of Egypt were officers, with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea, by Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I picked the wrong line. I was heading to Detroit, I was heading over the border to Detroit, and I was in a time crunch. So as I approached the three lines at the border, I made a decision that I thought was the best decision. Um, the line that I picked looked like it was the shortest, it looked to be moving the best. But then very quickly, I realized that that was not the case. The line to my left, even though it seemed to be moving very slowly, even though it seemed to be longer, was now moving very quickly and leaving my line in the dust. To fuel my frustration, I even timed how long I had to wait after I would have been through had I taken the faster line. And I had to wait an additional 15 minutes. Well, in a time crunch was a lot. I do not like waiting very much. And I'm guessing that's true for you as well. Because the thing with when we are waiting at the border or waiting in traffic or waiting for other significant, um, bigger significant things in our lives, um, it is out of our control. There's nothing we can do about it. But still we try. While I was waiting in line at the border, I wanted to swerve over to the faster lanes or start honking my horn, but I did not do that. That would not have gone well. 
It's not easy to wait. It wasn't easy for the Israelites to wait in our passage either. They had to wait while they were um, being chased down by a vast army. But still they were to wait on the Lord and see him work. Some of you right now are facing situations in your lives that are difficult or or frustrating or, or frightening. Things that maybe seem to come out of nowhere. Situations bearing down on us that might be causing us to lose heart, to lose faith. Bringing us to maybe want to try and control the situations ourselves. And it can be to wait on the Lord and wait for his timing. But the Lord's promises will come true and he is the God who saves. Earlier we read at the start of Exodus 14... Um, that it it told us about how the Lord had rescued the Israelites from Egypt and now they were beginning their exodus outside or out of Egypt. Earlier he had sent the ten plagues, displaying his power, proving that he was the one true God. He had even sent the Israelites out with valuables, all the valuables of the Egyptians. He had heard the cries of the Israelites. He had seen their affliction He had promised to deliver them from Egypt, and he did. He was faithful to his promises. He had accomplished this mass exodus for Israel from Egypt. Even as they journeyed out, God was with them. He went before them in a pillar of cloud during the day, in a pillar of fire at night. But it wasn't over yet. They were not out of the thick of it yet. In fact, God ordained that there were still going to be some major difficulties ahead for his glory. In verse 4, we read that God told Moses to tell the Israelites that God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And that Pharaoh wouldn't just let them go, that he would, in fact, pursue the Israelites. But that in it all, God would get the glory. So the Israelites knew this was going to happen. God told them. Lo and behold, what God said was going to happen came true. Pharaoh did pursue the Israelites. And when the Israelites saw the Egyptians coming, when they looked up and saw them coming, they were terrified. To their credit, they did cry out to the Lord, but then they quickly turned to Moses in fear. But then we get this great verse spoken by Moses to the Israelites in the midst of the Egyptians bearing down on them and the Israelites despairing. Look at verses 13 and 14 with me. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Fear not. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight fight, fight for you. You only need to be silent. When the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians approaching, the Egyptians were were mere minutes away. They had chariots 
They had vast numbers. They were organized, well-armed. Well, they themselves were, the Israelites themselves were under-armed, under-prepared, under-trained. The Egyptians were only minutes away from overtaking them. Moses urged them to stand firm, to wait on the Lord, to be silent and see his salvation. To us, the, the reaction of the Israelites makes sense. Right? For them to be terrified when this huge army was approaching makes sense. We might have acted in the same way. Right? We know what it's like to all of a sudden be faced with circumstances that we didn't see coming. A couple of years ago, uh, Kassarin and I, and our, we had two boys at the time, uh, we went to Woodstock for a day trip to visit my sister. And we had a wonderful day. We went to a water park. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was busy, but it was, it was great. And we, we packed up into the van and started driving home, and we were looking forward, for, looking forward to an uneventful drive home, um, but that didn't happen. As we were on the highway, we were getting close to London, and my van all of a sudden decided to stop being able to accelerate past 70 kilometers per hour. And on the highway, when... Everyone's going a lot faster than that. That was, that was not good, and that was pretty scary. Um, but we were able to, thankfully, there was an exit uh, pretty close, so we were able to get off. Um, and my sister ended up driving from Woodstock to meet us in London, and Cassandra and the boys uh, went with her in her car. I decided to try and drive the van to the dealership where we got the van in order to get it fixed, because I didn't want to pay for a tow truck. Um, and as I was driving there, I was three minutes away from the dealership and the van totally died on me in the middle of the road, uh, just totally shut down. But thankfully, the momentum of the van, I was able to veer out or veer into a gas station, but I was still kind of partially blocking the entrance. So I, I rushed over and asked someone if they could help me kind of push my van to get it out of the way. And this person flat out said no to me. <laughs> so I, but thankfully, others were able to come help. Um, but then I had to get a, a tow truck to take my van to the, the dealership, and then my sister ended up driving us all the way home to Sarnia, and I had to sit squished in the back seat between two car seats. So what was meant to be, what was supposed to be an uneventful, fun ride home, ended up being stressful, costly, scary, overwhelming. Situations that we don't expect can come out of nowhere. They can cause stress and financial strain. They can be frustrating. We can wonder why God would allow these things to happen in our lives, why he doesn't just fix them right away. In the middle of those moments, one of the most difficult things to do can be to wait on the Lord and, and trust in him. We can think, okay, maybe, maybe God got caught off guard with this situation. Like, the, the Egyptians are coming very fast. Maybe God just, just didn't see that coming. Um, maybe I need to step in here and get this under control a little bit. But in those verses spoken by Moses, we get some good descriptions of what it looks like to wait on the Lord despite circumstances around us. Moses tells us, first of all, that waiting on the Lord means do not fear means to not fear. 
Right? The, the fear of the Israelites in this moment was very strong. They were terrified. And they did cry out to the Lord, but then really quickly they, they turn to Moses in despair. And their fear leads them to some negative, some, some negative reactions. Their fear led them to complain. Right? They complain against Moses, blame Moses for their situation. Is it because there's no graves in Egypt, Moses, that you would bring us out here to the wilderness to die? Why did you bring us out of Egypt, Moses? We would have been so much better if we had stayed. Like, why, why did you do that? How could you? We might think the, the Israelites ridiculous in this moment, but how often can we complain and blame others when things don't go according to plan? I remember hearing a, a speaker uh, tell the funny story of how one morning she had uh, prepared a, a pot of coffee and she was pouring the coffee into her coffee mug and the mug slipped out of her hand and fell to the ground and smashed and pieces of, of the mug and coffee went everywhere. And right as it happened, she said, are you serious, Mike? Her first reaction was to blame her husband for causing her to drop her coffee mug. Because her husband was supposed to take out, the cough, or take out the garbage earlier that morning, but he forgot. So then she had to take out the garbage, which made her late for work. Um, and she had a really busy, stressful day at work, so she was rushing to try and get through the coffee. Therefore, her husband's fault for the coffee dropping. When things get out of control, when they don't go the way that we wanted them to, we can blame others. We can blame our, our wives, blame our husbands, our kids, blame our parents. We can even blame God for putting us in these situations. It can be, we, it can be our way of trying to control things. Right? There, there must be a reason. It can't be our fault, so it must be other people's faults, or it must be God's fault. We want to act. We want to blame others. Blame God instead of waiting on him. The, Israel, the Israelites react by blaming Moses. They also misremember the past. They say, look, we, we specifically told you, Moses, leave us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians. We told you that earlier. We didn't even want to leave. But in the records that we see earlier in Exodus, they, they never consistently said that. That wasn't the, the common attitude at the time. They were quite happy to leave their bondage in Egypt. But now that they're in a really tight spot, the past looked wonderful. Even though they had been slaves for years and their, their firstborn sons were killed and they were dealt with very harshly, now they looked back longingly. They're not remembering how God had rescued them. Now they were complaining, grumbling, misremembering the past because they were afraid. When we are, are hurt, by people because we love Jesus or, or face trials that seem to come out of nowhere, it can be tempting to look back at our lives before Christ and think, you know what, I didn't face any of these kinds of struggles when I was, before I was a Christian. But it was actually, it was easier. It was, it was fun living for myself or living for the things of the world was really satisfying. We can forget about the emptiness that living for ourselves brought. We can forget the consequences that sin brought. 
The Israelites forgot what the good old days were actually like, and they forgot God. They forgot that God had done for them to rescue them from Egypt, and they forgot what God had told them just days earlier, how he was going to allow Pharaoh, or bring Pharaoh to attack them again, but that he was going to defeat Pharaoh again. They forgot that. But Moses is telling them, fear not. Stand firm. Wait on the Lord. Yes, this is a scary situation, but you don't need to fear. God is the God who saves and he comforts those who are afraid. Yes, there might be something big going on in our lives, big decisions with big consequences, big hurts that keep on hurting. Time is running out. It can be hard to believe that God is there, that he is the God who saves. Like, God, when are you going to act? When are you going to help? When are you going to make the situation better, easier? And while everything inside of us screams to want to complain, to want to turn to things from our old lives and forget God, we are called to wait on the Lord. But it's not easy. In those moments, it can be hard to trust that God is working even though we don't see it. But Moses tells us what will help us to fight fear. As we wait on the Lord, we fight fear. We are to fight fear by trusting in God's salvation. Look at uh, verse 13 and 14 again. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to complain about your situation. You don't need to want to go back to your old life. You don't need to lose hope. Stand firm and trust that God is going to do what he said he would do. Trust that God will fight for you, that the battle belongs to God. God is going to act because he said he would. You don't need to do anything to fix the situation. You don't need to go back to Egypt. You need to wait and trust that God will act. He saved them before and he told them that he will save them again and he will do it. One commentator of the, on the book of Exodus I gave a really good paraphrase of verse 13 and especially focusing on the part that says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. So in this paraphrase, he has Moses saying, You should be glad that you are seeing the Egyptian army coming at you. Because you have seen the Egyptians means God's prediction that he will trick them is about to be fulfilled. If you didn't see them, now that would be cause for worry because then God's prediction to us would not be coming true. Moses was flipping the switch. He was saying that you should rejoice when you see the Egyptians coming because it means that God's promises are coming true. God said he would save you and now the Egyptians coming is a sign that God's saving plan will come to pass. This reminds us of of verses we see in the New Testament. James tells us to consider it joy when we face trials of all kinds. In Philippians, Paul tells the church that it has been granted to them to suffer For Christ's sake. 
if we never faced any hardships on any level because of our love for Christ, then, then that would be cause for concern. When we face suffering for Jesus' sake, when we face trials, we, we can rejoice because we are told that it will come and it's proof that what God has said will come true. That God will move and work in us even, though, even when we don't see it. Even when we wish he would work more in our timing, on our, according to our agenda. But we can trust that God is in control and will help us to move forward and serve him faithfully in good times and bad. To wait on the Lord means not fearing what will come, but trusting in God and in his promises and in his salvation. If you have been saved by Christ through faith in him, you have seen his salvation. You have seen him work in your life. You know that he has taken you from death life and changed your heart. You've also seen him work and move in so many different situations in your life. Times where he provided for you or comforted you or helped you to fight sin. And as we face situations that might come from nowhere, and when we're scared in, this, in these situations, we want to complain. We want to try and fix everything ourselves. Wait on the Lord and remember what he has done in saving you, bringing you from death to life. Death has no hold on you. Remember how he has been with you in trials in the past. Remember his promises that he will give us his peace, that Jesus will not let us slip out of his hand, the Holy Spirit will fill us, point us to Christ, that Jesus will be with us until the end of the age. We can remember those while we wait. Do not fear, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. But notice that standing firm, being silent, didn't mean inaction. When Moses calls the Israelites to stand firm, to be silent, it wasn't a passive, inactive waiting. Standing firm and watching God's salvation, watching God fight for them, didn't mean that they were to do nothing as they waited. Look with me to verses 15 to 20 in Exodus 14. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So standing firm didn't mean doing nothing. God tells them to go, to pack up, to start moving toward the Red Sea. They were to wait to see God saved, to act, Right? It was going to be all God doing the saving. They weren't going to be able to save themselves, come up with an awesome escape route through the sea. They weren't going to be able to do that themselves. It was going to be all God, but they were 
all God in saving them, but they were called to faithfully obey. They were called to faithfully trust in God's saving power, and as they waited for God to act and to give this, this ultimate act of deliverance, they were to go where God had called them to go. And they did. They went. And we see that God started working right away. Right? The, the pillar of cloud that was before them now went behind them. Even though the army was merely just minutes away, now because of the pillar of cloud, it prevented them from getting anywhere near the Israelites for several hours as they made their way to the Red Sea. They had to pack their things journey by foot, but they kept moving forward. Even though a sea was before them, an army behind them, even though God hadn't fully delivered them yet, they were to move forward. In an amazing act of power, God splits the Red Sea. Walls of water as tall as city walls were on each side. There's a story of a theology grad student at a a liberal um, seminary that was sitting down on campus and reading the Exodus story and exclaimed out loud, God is amazing, his power is amazing. And a prof came beside him and said, well, you know, um, the studies have shown that um, it wasn't really like deep sea that we think it was a sea. It was more like a marshy sea. The water was probably only like four to six inches deep. So this wasn't really that big of a miracle. And the student said, okay, and kept reading. And then exclaims again, God is amazing. His power is amazing. And the prophet was like, well, remember, this wasn't that, that big of a deal, that big of a miracle. And the, the student said, God is amazing. His power is amazing. He drowned an entire army of Egyptians in four decades of water. The exodus is a powerful display of God's saving power. One that's mentioned all throughout the Old Testament to show that God is the God who saves. It's a powerful reminder to us of God's saving power and how he has saved us. Just like it was, how, it was God who did all the saving of the Israelites, it's God who does all the saving uh, for Christ. Not by any works that we can do to be saved, not by any effort, not by any good deeds, but the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That God in his saving plan worked by saving his one and only, sending his one and only son, Jesus, who died for us on the cross, took our place so that we can be saved, not by works, by grace through faith in Jesus. And if you've been saved, you have seen God work in you through his saving power. You have seen him work and move in the biggest way imaginable. But it's also a beautiful picture of the gospel that we can continue forward and walk with Jesus in his grace. Because we have been given new life and we are not to be inactive. We are not to be passive. We are to move forward faithfully walking with the Lord. And as we wait, We can both wait on the Lord for his timing and his situation, for his good, all while moving forward and walking faithfully with God. But it's not easy to wait. We know his power. Why can't God help me now? Why can't he make it easy now? 
But we wait, trusting in him, knowing he will fight for us. We can move forward by, or by fighting fear that wants us to complain, to lose heart, wants us to forget what God has done for us and what he's promised he will do. We can move forward by trusting in God's saving power to know that the Lord is working for our good even if things do not get easier for us. We can know that the battle belongs to God, that he has already defeated sin and death through his son, Christ. Fear has no hold on us and we are to stand firm and see. Let's pray. God, thank you for your saving power, for this story where we see your incredible saving power displayed and how it points us to the fact that you are the God who saves and how you sent your son Jesus to die for us as um, we'll be talking thinking about as we come to the Lord's table. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you are for us and that the battle belongs to you and that we are to trust in you and to, to not fear and to look to you and hope in you as we face difficult situations around us. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.